Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous. Muted. Mute, everybody. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, November 26, 2018, and this is a 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter of Vision for You. We are on page 161. We will begin with reading the third paragraph that starts under only slightly different conditions. We will read through two paragraphs ending with in this helpful interchange. And today's readers are the 12 Steps. K, 12 Traditions, Esther F. Our text readers are Craig F., Ginger C., Allison L. Our newcomer greeter is Leslie M. And our host for the second hour today is Penny C. And the share ID for yesterday, Sunday, November 25th, 2018, the special edition meeting is 12,222. One, two, 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 two. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who are still suffering. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Harvey Kay to read the 12 steps of OA for us, please. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. My name is Harvey Kay, a compulsive overeater in Brooklyn, New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, 
except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Javi Kay. I will now ask Esther F. to read the 12 Traditions of OA for us, please. Good morning. This is Esther F., a compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the other to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion in outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, and we like to hear new voices, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. I will be timing, and when you've gone over three minutes, I will say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute, and once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, Then, press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we are resuming our study of the Big Book. 
We are in the chapter of Vision for You. We are on page 161. We will be starting with the third paragraph that begins, Under Only Slightly Different Conditions. We will be reading through two paragraphs, ending with, In This Helpful Interchange. And I am going to ask Craig F. if he would read for us, please. Sure. Good morning, Monica. This is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Good morning. Okay. Um, Under only slightly different conditions, the same thing is taking place in many eastern cities. In in one of these, there is a well-known hospital for the treatment of alcoholic and drug addictions. Six years ago, one of our number was a patient there. Many of us felt for the first time the presence and power of God within its walls. We are greatly indebted to the doctor in attendance there, for he, although it might prejudice his own work, has told us of his belief in ours. Every few days, uh, the doctor suggests our approach to one of his patients. Understanding our work, he can do this with an eye to selecting those who are willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis. Many of us former patients go there to help. Then in this eastern city, there are informal meetings such as we have described to you where you may now see scores of members. There are the same same fast fellowships. There's the same helpfulness to one another as you find among our Western friends. There is a good bit of travel between East and West, and we foresee a great increase in this helpful exchange. Well, um, this paragraph at first blush um, uh, looks like just some history, but uh, it's so much more than that. And, you know, there's other people on the line that that are more uh, capable of illuminating the history of this. Uh, of this than I am, but what I want to drill down on is the a couple of phrases. Many of us have felt for the first time the presence and power of God within its walls. And of course, we're talking about the town hospital. Um, but you know, I think that's an interesting choice of a phrase. The the first time that what they felt wasn't um, sobriety or 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 hope. Although they had that, they they got both those things. They went into the hospital and sobered up. But then while they were in there, they felt for the first time the presence and power of God. Um, and uh, you know, down below, when the, it says the doctor uh, was uh, able to uh, to keep an eye on selecting people to recommend to them to work with who were willing and able to recover. On a spiritual basis, uh, you know, I I, uh, I realize that doctors a lot smarter than I am, and probably a lot more able to uh, to discern that kind of thing. Uh, I, I've played a game with myself over the years, watching people come in, and uh, and the game is just to kind of place an internal bet on whether they make it or not. And I know that sounds cold, but it, it, I don't mean it to be cold. Um, but I, I'm not always very good at that, you know. Uh, people um, uh, can appear to be 
uh, not broken and but really be broken inside and uh, it, but the fact is that those that make it those those that make it are the ones that are willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis and and you know it doesn't have anything to do with how smart somebody is i i've seen people come into meetings that can barely read um you wonder if they can tie their own shoes and uh I, I, that's cold i didn't mean it to sound that cold but they they uh, they grab a hold of this program uh, in, in a deep and meaningful way, and they are uh, and they recover. And I've seen people come in the door that are highly articulate, uh, uh, very intelligent, and 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 they don't get it, and they never get it because they never are able to lower their ego defenses. You know, they they say the three greatest enemies of this program are youth brains and success. And uh, the reason for that is that that uh, with youth brains and success, quite often we're not able to admit defeat. And if we can't admit admit defeat, if we can't uh, if we can't really say I'm par- that I'm powerless and accept that powerlessness, that it's more difficult for us to accept that spiritual help that spiritual basis, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Craig F. Okay, we are on page 161, starting with the third paragraph. Two paragraphs were read. And who else would like to share this morning? Margaret D. Jennifer W. Jennifer W. Raquel. Harlan G. Raquel. Harlan. Ginger. Lance. Okay, this is what I got. I got Margaret D., Jennifer W., Raquel, Harlan G., Ginger C., and Lance L. Okay, Margaret D., you're up. Hey, good morning, everybody. I just have a quick question. Um, could someone or does anyone have any specific knowledge about what, do, what does the author mean when he says under slightly different conditions? And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Jennifer Dubriel, you're up. And if someone further down the line would like to answer a question, we'll do that. Jennifer W., you're up, followed by Raquel. Okay. Hello, can you hear me? I sure can. Go ahead. Okay, I'm very nervous. Um, I got um, the recommendation that I would share because I would love to be more part in this um, program. I'm new to A Vision for You. And I feel very amazed uh, when I hear everyone and how you're willing and able to recover. That's the the line that I sort of underlined when we were reading, willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis. And sometimes I'm in Sweden, in Stockholm, and um, um, sometimes it's, it's not that many meetings. And um, uh, I I love to hear people that, put the recovery first and are willing and really want to to get well uh, because I want to get well and I'm in the state where I'll do whatever it takes. So I'm really, really happy. And uh, also this text is about East and West and that's also what I 
find now in Sweden, the U.S. It's like it's it's nice that I can be in Stockholm and still listen, even that that it's an ocean in between. Um, so I'm 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 happy, uh, and I would love to be part of this family. Like I heard other people say, "Good morning, family." It's really comforting. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer W. And welcome. And on second thought, we usually don't answer or take questions on the first hour. Those are taken care of on the second hour. So if you could hold it until then, we'll be more than glad to answer it. Okay, Raquel, you're up, followed by Harlan. Star one to unmute, Raquel. We can't hear you. Hi, family. Hi, Monica. Thank you for being there. Um, uh, it's so good that there is a meeting uh, on Friday um, in relating to this paragraph. In a minute, it is two paragraphs. But uh, saying family on Friday, uh, there was a memorial, the 21st one for my late husband, and the children were there. But they all went back to their families, you know, after the beautiful memorial, but I am the one who got to go home alone. So I'm not alone. I'm with you. And these are two beautiful paragraphs. And I too would like to relate to this, um, uh, that how the doctor had a good eye to choose the people. He sure had a good eye. He was the one who was able to tell. We know, we who read the, through the book, we know that he was the one who was able to tell Bill, no, 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 sweetie, you are not hallucinating. What you have now is a lot better than what you had before. Just hold on to it. He really must have had a good eye, but I don't. But I don't know what pushed me to continue talking with a friend from New York who is in the heart of all this. She's another Israeli one who lives in New York. And she's in the heart of all. There's so much action there and everything. And it's the fifth year that I'm talking with her, and I love this girl, but she now has 45 days of abstinence, jewels. It's a beautiful necklace of jewels. I don't know how, I, you know, I couldn't judge, but but she has the same background like mine, immigrants, and, and how we hard it was in Israel in those days, in the 40s, 90s. And we had good conversations, and I couldn't talk her into doing what needed to be done to get abstinent. And here somebody else came and got her abstinent, and I'm so happy with it. It's such a miracle. And I can read the book with her now, and there's an, it's another person I'm talking to than I did. What pushed me to continue, I don't know. Only God knows, you know. But that I can now have this joy of reading with her how it works, and her mind is opening up to this wonderful thing. So it's a God-given, you know, I'm just saying it, we should all have the courage because you know who was here in Israel now and gave us a workshop. And the beautiful thing that he told us that only God, everybody can count how many seeds are there in an apple, but only God can count how many apple trees are in one seed. So let's not hesitate to spread out the word that there is recovery, and let God decide who and when. 
we just have to be John Appleseed, right? Thank you so much for being there for me. I love you all and have wonderful recoveries, all of us and all those who join us. I guess. Thank you, Raquel. And reminder to everyone, we are discussing chat uh, paragraphs here in our book and the directions that we're being given. Okay, Harlan G., <laughs> you're up, followed by Ginger C. Thank you, Monica, and thank you to Team Monday for making this magnificent meeting possible. And on page 161, when it says, under only slightly different conditions, he just he's not referring to anything profound. It's just in a different city at a different time, and maybe they didn't have the same scrapes to clean up or anything, but that's what he's referring to to answer the question from before. Um, today is Bill Wilson's birthday. Bill was born on November the 26th, 1895, so he would be 123 years old today. And every time I walk into a meeting or every time I, I tune into Vision for You, I am here on the shoulders of giants. So let's take a look at one of those giants this morning. Not only Bill, but somebody else that needs to be mentioned too. We're talking here about the town's hospital, and we're talking here about William Dunk, Dr. William Duncan Silkworth. And Dr. Silkworth, on page 15, Bill Wilson is saying on page 15, I'm talking to a man there. Now, when he's saying there, he's talking about the town's hospital. I would be amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is a design for living that works in rough going. When Bill Wilson came in from the Oxford group, now it says here he was hospitalized six years ago. He was hospitalized first in 1933. The writing of this chapter was in 1931, so the map is sound. The doctors at the hospitals were not anxious to let drunks talk to drunks. What did Bill Wilson know about alcoholism? He was just a drunk. But it was Silkworth who understood that in order for the message to be carried, it must have depth and weight. And when you read these words on page 162, every few days this doctor suggests our approach to one of his patients. This was almost heresy at that time. Dr. Silkworth was suggesting to drunks that they speak to other drunks. And in other hospitals, this would have been unheard of. What were these people bringing to the table? What expertise did they have? None. But Silkworth understood. He understood that the drunks spoke and understood the language of the heart. It's a language that we speak and we understand that will cut through the BS and get to the heart of the matter. Because when you can get a person's head going up and down and up and down, or you get them laughing, you've got them. The shortest distance between two people is a straight laugh. And when they can say to you, as Bill Dotson said, Yes, I drink like that. Yes, that's me. That's me. And you've got their head going up and down. You've got an identification that no other person from any background, from any walk of life can come Time. close to duplicating. And happy birthday, Bill. Even though you had your faults, you're still my hero. Thanks. Thanks, Harlan. 
Ginger C. It's your turn, followed by Lance L. Hi, good morning, Monica. Can you hear me? Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, and thank you for your service. Um, I'm just going to hone in on 162. It says, many of us have felt for the first time the presence and the power of God within its walls. And I'm so grateful for the person who just spoke because when I left Virginia Beach, I had some conflicting messages about whether to go live to meetings. And I love page one or uh, page 15, talk about Bill and his birthday. He tells us that we meet frequently so that the newcomers may find the fellowship that they're seeking. And then the gift of that is that they found this presence in the power of God. They find a solution to their problem that they're dying from. So I'm so grateful, again, you know, that friend said, Ginger, you may be the only example of the big book that they ever see. You go live and you go share that message. And I did. And not only do I go to meetings live, I bounce around to different meetings as well. Because I don't know where that newcomer is that needs that hope and that message. And sad, like we know, a lot of our meetings don't have the message. They're getting better. I went to one on Saturday. I couldn't believe the power and the depth and weight that was carried. But if we're not showing up live, how are we seeing these newcomers? How are we showing them that there's a way out? They don't know. And they are sadly going to these meetings where people are just coming and throwing up their problems on them and making it even harder. So I'm just so grateful for Bill and these clear-cut directions. Again, we are showing up for the meetings, not to feel better, not to share about what's going on in my life, but to share there's a message of hope to that person that barely got through the door that needs to know that there's a way out. They're dying in the food and they need help. And we get to show up with our light shining if we're in a fit spiritual condition. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. Lance L., it's your turn. Good morning, everyone. My name is Lance L. I am from California and I am recovered. Uh, compulsive overeater. I uh, I appreciate everyone for being on the line this morning, and I welcome all those who are new. Um, it's good to be back on the line. Um, I've been traveling, and uh, over this Thanksgiving weekend, this has been a real, um, all I can explain it as is a spiritual experience. Um, I'm, I'm a routine eater. You know, I look forward to um, these times to eat, and nothing really was different for me this holiday um, except for the fixation of eating from party to party as we traveled around. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't just where I went and the people that I saw. It was everything in the middle. The traveling was uh, an important part for me. I, you know, there's... There's certain airports that I land in, and I know what food I'm going to eat when I get there. You know, the mental obsession is I can't, I can't wait to get off that plane. I can't wait to get there. And, uh, you know, that was different for me this time. Um, you know, I, I suffer from a mental fixation and a physical craving once I put food into my body and the foods that are harmful for me. Um, earlier in the book, it talks about um, we are mentally and physically ill. <clears throat> you know, I, 
I can't think my way out of this problem because I have a mental illness to this food issue. I can't move away from it. I can't exercise it out of my body because I have a physical problem to this food issue. You know, those are my two problems when it comes down to compulsive overeating. So there's no way I can find solution there. Absolutely none. Uh, it, it, it wasn't until someone came along and said, hey, you know, you don't need a, phys- a physical or a mental solution. What comes here in our book is a spiritual solution. And it talks about that right here in the, in the second paragraph. Um, selecting those who are willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis. Well, for years, I, I, I compulsively dieted because I tried to think my way out of it. And that's not possible when it comes to my alcoholic tendencies around food. So the solution is that in order to be healed from the mental fixation and the physical craving, um, we have to straighten out fit or spiritually and, um, I appreciate everyone for being here. Even when I'm gone, you guys are still firing on these lines. And uh, I'm very grateful. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lance L. And we are on page 161. We We started with the third paragraph under only slightly different conditions. We read through two paragraphs ending with... In this helpful exchange, and who else would like to share this one? Siobhan. Katie Kelly. Boston. <laughs> oh, Katie Kelly, yes. yes. I heard maybe one person. All right, I did Siobhan. hear Siobhan. And Kelly. Kelly. Katie. Katie. Leia. Lisa. Asa. Say that again. Steve S. A Steve S. and something K, I think. Jen A. Oh, Jen A. Okay. All right. That's it. Hold. Let's see what I got here. I got Siobhan, Kelly, Katie F., Leia D., Vasa O., Steve S., and Jen A. All right. Siobhan, it's your turn. Thanks. Can I be heard? Mm hmm. Oh, okay, great. Um, good morning, family. It's Siobhan, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so I'm, I'm, what jumped out at me was on the, the sentence on page 162. You know, we're greatly indebted to the doctor. Although it might prejudice his own work, has told us of his bo- of his bo- has told us of his belief in ours. So, what the doctor was really doing, in my interpretation, was carrying the message. You know, and how could he carry the message not being one of us? Because it's been said, you know, that if we can't carry the message as one compulsive overeater to another, that we can carry the suffering to the message. And that's sort of what he was doing. He was, um, he could, he is a non-compulsive overeater, had admitted his limitation on page XXVII in the doctor's opinion. We doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was of urgent, urgent importance to alcoholics but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception. What with ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we are perhaps not well-equipped to, to apply the powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. So here, 
these doctors are, are, are confirming what we know on page 89, that doctors and ministers, we may learn much from them if we wish, but they, but, but we are uniquely qualified really to carry the message. And, and um, it also, what reminds me is page uh, one, 103, is it 103 in the, um, in the 12 and 12, um, where it talks about, you know, the, oh gosh, where is it? Um, it talks about like basically even the, the newest of newcomers, you know, I wish I had the quote, but it's in the 12 and 12 um, on, on the, on the chapter 12, uh, on the 12th um, step, a 12th suggested step of recovery that even the newest member can, can help their, gets the unfound riches. You know, the sentence says it's the first sentence of a paragraph on, on, in that, but by helping his brother alcoholic. And so, I'm just reminded about how I would never have gotten the freedom if I had waited to work 11 steps before I helped another. Oh my goodness, God forbid! Thank God I, I my um, my first spiritual lifeguard, you know, said you you get out there and help other people because that's I mean you're going to get unfound riches and I did I got the I got this um, I got uh, the freedom I got I started getting the freedom like and it increased every day that I helped other people and that's why I intensively get up in California at three in the morning whatever hour you know I intensely work yesterday all day hitting the message veterans hospitals uh, different marathons around the city I help why because we substitute this word alcoholic on 89 when it tells us nothing will so much ensure immunity as intensive work with others I I believe even this doctor got him found riches because he was carrying this message we we don't have to be we don't have, like, an alcoholic is, to me, is someone who is suffering from a seamlessly, uh, seemingly st- uh, state of mind and body, right? And who is incomprehensible demoralizing. Thank you. Thank you, Siobhan L. Kelly S. Leader, please turn. repeat the page again. We're on page 161. We started with the third paragraph and read through two paragraphs. Kelly S. I think it's Kelly S. Kelly, yes, you're up, followed yeah. by Katie G. Go ahead, Kelly. Thanks for, thanks for your service, Monica. It's Kelly S. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Oklahoma. Um, just wanted to share about this. You guys know my story. I've been around for 30-something years or three and a half years of recovered abstinence. Um, thanks to the presence and power of my higher power. Because, um, you know, it says here, for the first time, the presence and power of God Um within these walls. And that's what I finally started feeling because in that second paragraph, when it says the people who are willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis. So for the first 30 years, looking back, what I was willing and able to recover on was a really good food plan. Um, I was willing and able to recover. Well, I really wasn't, but (laughs) that's what I thought um, on tools or on the perfect sponsor. Let me tell you, if I could find the perfect sponsor, I had some of the most perfect sponsors. I was just willing to to do all those kind of things. But a spiritual basis, well, the truth was I didn't understand I had a spiritual malady. So three and a half years ago when you guys introduced me to this book that I've had and have like four or five copies of, but the instructions, when I was willing and able to recover on the instructions, the spiritual instructions, putting down the food 100%, like it talks about in the doctor's opinion, and then working these steps, and finding out that I had a spiritual malady and that the entire thing was going to come from a higher power, which I get from carrying this message with you guys, you know, then for the first time I felt the presence and power of God because I kept looking for that. But I was so blocked. I was so blocked by, you know, not putting down my foods, not doing the instructions, you know, kind of piecemealing it as somebody else that I, 
I love, I love says, you know, I was uh, playing the twister game, yellow hand here, red head foot there, whatever, you know, and I was looking in all the wrong places. I think there's a song like that, looking for love in all the wrong places. But anyway, so now grateful that you guys showed me the directions. You guys are my Ebby. And, um, you know, and it says here the same fast friendships there and the same helpfulness because we're a we program. And like um, Ginger said, I heard on these meetings envision for you because I was one of those people that said oh there's no recovery in Tulsa Oklahoma I'm not going to those meetings there's no recovery well guess what I t- took the meetings me and another fellow friend on this line and we started going back taking the recovery and you know we have anywhere from four to ten on this one uh, Saturday morning meeting and we are big book study now and several people listen to vision several people are abstinent recovered and so you know that is my um that is what I have to remember today. You know, it's real easy just to stay in these uh, meetings on the phone and they're convenient and they're wonderful. And yes, thank God I found vision for you. But now it says, you know, in step 12 that we have to carry this message and that's how we enlarge our spiritual life. And I want to keep what I have today. And I'm willing and so grateful that I am willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis today. Glad to be here. Thank you so much, Monica. I pass. Thank you, Kelly S. Katie G., it's your turn, followed by Leah D. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic in Boston. And, yeah, I mean, am I willing to recover on a spiritual basis? Um, No, no. (laughs) I mean, I came into these rooms. I can't even tell you the double-digit numbers of sponsors I've had. And those who know me know that that's, probably very true because I'm a lot less willful than I was 15 years ago and that's pretty remarkable um you know I was willing to recover on my basis I was willing to to recover on your basis but was I willing to say I have no power I have no choice I have no control around the food And I have this spiritual illness, this empty hole inside of me. And no matter how much food I add or subtract, no matter how many people I add or subtract, no matter how much money, education, property, prestige, I'm going down. I'm going down because nothing's going to fix it. And for me today, you know, yeah, I'm recovered for these 24 hours, but am I willing to recover on a spiritual basis? which means living in 10, 11, and 12, which means for me going through the steps every year and being willing to do things that are not comfortable. You know, thank you, God. Thanksgiving is a holiday that's that's passed. And thank you, God, because um, I did not eat. Thank you, God. Um, And I made an amend, and it wasn't a pretty amend. It wasn't the pretty amends that y'all share with me. It was a half an hour of someone telling me what the experience is to be in relation with Katie when she's cut off from God. And it's really uncomfortable. But thank you, God, for those of you around me that helped me know I need to continue to do the right thing. I need to practice kindliness, acceptance, patience, and love towards all God's kids. It doesn't matter who you are. And most importantly, the realization that whatever you're doing, whatever I'm accusing you of doing, I am doing myself. So for me, am I willing to recover on a spiritual basis means am I willing to turn my life upside down, even though I know that this is the way it should be and everybody would be happy if they did it this way. What I'm finding 
is that the best way is not KDG's way. The best way is all the ways that God wants it to be. And that when I'm willing to let go, let go completely and face the fear of letting go completely and walk in this world as God's children, God's daughter, and to set things right when, I'm, when I harm others, my insides fill up and light off with the presence of God that is unbelievable. So I just pray to continue with all of you for one more day. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Leah D., you're up, followed by Vasa O. Good morning, everyone. It's Leah D., recovered in Brooklyn. And I just want to share on the part that says, he can do this with an eye to selecting those who are willing and able to recover on a spiritual basis. You know, for me, I thought recovering on a spiritual basis 44 years ago meant walking into a room, holding hands, and saying the serenity prayer. And for a while, that worked. You know, I came in, I got abstinent, I maintained it for, I don't know, lost 80 pounds and maintained it, you know, but didn't grow on a spiritual basis, went to the meetings and kept it very one, two, three, one, two, three. And today, this means a whole other thing for me. And I'm learning today in my recovery and my journey with God how to recognize those who are willing to recover on a spiritual basis. Um, it's not an easy thing. I sometimes used to feel very, very easy to give over step 12. I was a preacher. I was an evangelist. I was a, a, a big book thumper. But that's not reality. Um, that doesn't work for me anymore. Today I need to pray and be quiet and ask God to guide me on who I should give my recovery to. You know, I had a situation last week, and I could have turned it into an unrecovered situation, but it was a recovered situation because I took the high road, and I told someone, well, I guess I have a lifeboat, and I'm inviting you to step onto my boat, but if you don't want to step onto my boat, I can't help you. And if I sound, if my voice sounds angry and it's really passionate, I can't help you there either. And I dealt it from a recovered place because I can't give away something someone doesn't want no matter what. I can't take a hammer and I can't take a piece of wood and bang it into somebody's head and say, you got to see, you got to see, you can't believe, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I need to be a power of example. I made a call last night to get a room for a face-to-face meeting in the neighborhood I'm going to get that room. We need a face-to-face meeting. We need to spread the word. We need a home. Not everybody's comfortable with phone meetings. And I'm learning how to give it away because I know I give it away. And I've been very blessed that I've just taken two people through the steps. And one is up to 12 and one is doing four. And I see the recovery. And the truth is, by seeing the recovery, I can feel the recovery. It's it's really it's it's really special, but it's quiet. You know, me being quiet is a gift, and um, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to learn how to do this and follow the directions and be a good student. You know, of doing the big book and how to how to do this part. And um, I'm I'm really glad that I can go anywhere and take my program with me because I learned a long time ago the line was they said it was portable. Time. But I thank you so much. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for being the timekeeper. Thank you, Leah D. Fasa O, you're up, followed by Steve S. 
Thank you, Monica. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive Vida, calling from Port Charlotte, Florida. Thank you, Monica, for your service and everybody's service this morning. And I love this paragraph. I was never hospitalized or had gone to a treatment myself. But I remember thinking in those days, early in my, into my, you know, before I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I remember thinking if I, if I could just have the, my stomach stapled or my jaws wired, or maybe if I go to a hypnotist, that'll probably do it. Or I remember thinking if somebody just gave me that pill, I mean, thank God I was not into the pills those years. I couldn't afford that stuff. But I know a lot of women went to the speed and stuff like that. I wasn't doing, but I, you know, again, I was using the food. And it did not work. Even with all these people that did those things, it didn't work anyways. I mean, it didn't work. Maybe it worked for them, but it didn't work for me. It wouldn't have worked for me. So for the first time coming to to the Overeaters Anonymous meeting, I found the presence of God, the power of God within the walls. I heard the language that people spoke, a language I could identify with, I could relate. And the solution was different kind of a solution that I had been looking my whole life. Was The solution was right here, the, in the steps, uh, in this big book. If I just followed the direction, the way it's laid out, if it worked for other people and it's going to work for me. And uh, I was spirit, I was bankrupt physically, emotionally, spiritually. This was my last stop coming to Overeaters Anonymous. I remember saying, if this is not going to work, I'm just going to die. I had given into the food addiction form. I had given into it because whatever I did did not work. So this was the only thing. I said, this doesn't work, I'm just going to die. And this is the only thing that has worked for me. I needed to put the food down. I needed to find a power greater than myself to put the food down. I mean, once I put the food down, I needed to ask God, my higher power, please give me the strength. Give me the courage. I started using God right then, right from the beginning, because I can't do this by myself. I need your power. I need, your, I need the strength to come from you. And it was coming. It was a miracle, one meal at a time, one day at a time. And I started depending on my higher power. That's my time. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Steve S., it's your turn, followed by Jen A. Uh, hi, this is Steve S. Hello? Go ahead, Steve. Oh, okay, good. Um, I've been in the program a very short period of time. Um, I've been told by my sponsor that the first few months, I, I already know I had what's called the pink cloud. Everything was working great. I was I had this incredible, I thought I had this incredible relationship with my higher power. Um, I lost a lot of weight, but the last few weeks have been very challenging, having trouble putting the food down. But I realize now what everybody else has been saying, that it's all about step two. It's all about step two. And uh, the more that I pray, more that I pray to my higher power, the more that I ask my higher power to help me out, the better off my chances are of being successful with this program. Um, 
it really, really step two is the number one thing for me right now. Obviously, they all, they all, everything, everything is important. But if I don't have step two going on, then I'm going to eat, and I realize that now, and uh, that requires that I do a lot of praying uh, all the t- all the time, as often as I can, especially for me, especially at night. If I can pray at night, um, I will be successful. Hope God willing with this program. Um, and uh, I will get I will get the help from uh, the, my higher power that I need to be successful. And thank you all very much. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Steve S. Jen A. It's your turn. Thank you, Monica. This is Jen A. Recovered in Colorado. Good morning, fellows. Um, so many cities, right? Many rooms, many men, and many women. Um, that's been my experience. Um, I've been able to travel to many cities and hear this message and uh, sit in many rooms. And like a fellow said earlier today, and she carried the message to me, is that um, don't just go sit in one meeting. Go to different meetings. Um, find different people. Seek seek different rooms out. Um, and, you know, in these rooms, I was really grateful um, because I did feel God. And then I eventually found God um, sitting there long enough. Um, because I was powerless when I came in here. Um, And you know what? Um, Today I live in the power of God, Um, one day at a time. I live in his power and his presence. Um, But I had to be willing to do a few things first, right? First things first, I had to be willing um, to admit um, to a a group of like-minded individuals that I was powerless and that my life was unmanageable. And, um, you know, then I had to begin to believe in something bigger than myself, Um, I was no longer relying on food. I wasn't relying on diets. I wasn't relying on others. And I wasn't relying on myself. I was relying on something that was pretty big, and that's God. And today I continue to rely on God every day. In fact, it's always my favorite thing to say is, you know, when somebody um, reaches out and calls, I'm like, hey, where did you find God today? Right? Because if I'm fully relying on God, I can see God in everything in, in my life. Um, And I see God in my journey um, in Overeaters Anonymous and how it brought me to the room, how it brought those people from um, the meetings of a vision for you to the room um, that brought me here. Um, I also see it. I love how it talks about Dr. Silkworth, too, right? There's so many times that we ask people, how would you get to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous? Well, my doctor, oh, my psychiatrist, well, my counselor. Well, thank God for those people, right, that um, helped carry a few people um, to the rooms. Um, so that's a big thing, too, for me. So um, I'm thankful, you know, that um, I'm here today. I came in with no experience, right? And here I'm having um, a spiritual experience. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. And we've got a little less than five minutes. So two, two Larry. and a half minutes shared. Penny. Larry. Russ, I'm. Larry Katie and Penny. Larry and Penny. Katie Go Keith. ahead, Larry. Okay, I'll try to make it pretty quick. Thanks so much uh, uh, for your for your service. You know what these um, you know what these steps um, mean to me. You know the, the spiritual experience is by working the twelve steps. We you know I got to move from a, a category of hopeful skepticism, hopeful skepticism, and by working the steps, I moved to a different category of transformed belief. Because, you know, when you start to do this work, you kind of trust in a process, maybe a little, a little bit more, a little bit more. And by working the steps, you get to a place that's no longer 
hopeful skepticism, it's transformed belief, and call it whatever you want. But if we're still here, there's only two categories of people, really. The hopeful you'll one day be transformed as the result of the steps, this process, and those who have been transformed by the steps. And there's no, there's no other category for me, really. There's the surrendered and the surrendering. And yes, it is each day. But there's the, the people with more fight in them, and there's people with no more fight. The willing and the not yet willing. Now, as for me, I was still eating. I was shepherding myself through the steps. I was in the, the dressing room, if you will, on a daily basis, trying on various uh, suits of armor for the daily fight. It was more me. See, surrender is baked into each step. And, and Bill said something about spiritual perfectionism. He said, let's not go broke on this sort of perfection, trying to get good, you know, too good by Thursday. Let's not go broke on that. We strive towards spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. But make no mistake, it's working the steps, working the steps, following the instructions that we will be given freedom. We become, we move from tethered to me, my committee, me, and tethered to God. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Penny C., it's your turn. Hi, thank you. I'm Penny C., recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Uh, as soon as I heard the second par- the beginning of the second paragraph we read this morning, read, um, I, I wanted to zero in on, says every few days this doctor suggests our approach to one of his patients, under- and he understands our work. Fortunately, the alcoholics who dealt with Dr. Silkworth understood understood what was going on and um, and encouraged their work. I think it says to me that I need to bring the message to my my professional people, my doctors, my my um, dentists, uh, whoever deal deals with patients that I you know just to tell them my own experience, I had the sad experience. I have a new primary doctor about a year and a half ago and i and I just love her and um i I couldn't have a better doctor. However, when I tried to tell her about the fact that I, you know, I, I've lost and maintained 70 pounds for 30 years and what it was like before, she just came back with, I don't believe in that. I just think it, it's all about mod- um, behavior modification and what they need is a good therapist. Um, I'm not going to give up, though. So um, I, I just encourage everybody that, one of the ways of helping our fellow suffering compulsive overeaters is, you know, through our our doctors and nurses and and whatever professionals we deal with on that basis. And with the help of God, you know, uh, I'm going to pray about it, and I'm going to be seeing her again in a month or so. And um, I'm going to pray for a different approach with her. And uh, thank you. I'll, I'll end with that. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Penny C. And once again, we've come to the end of another wonderful meeting so quickly. Thank you to everyone who has shared. 
Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And today's share ID is for Monday, the 26th of November, 12,223, 12223, and this is for our 7 a.m. meeting here today. And I will now ask Ginger C. if she will read for us, please, from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass. You and countless others, this is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you, 